This is Roger Hallam. You're listening to Designing the Revolution. It's talk 10, part one, sociability practice. All right, so there's quite a lot to talk about on, on, on this area. So I'm going to split it into two parts. At least that's the plan. Uh, we've been talking about building up mobilization more generally, I think you might say. And we've looked at the proximity situation and now we're going to look at how we can bring the theory of sociability into how we design the practice of mobilization. And as we go through these talks, it's all going to start building upon each other into a bigger system. So we're still at a fairly basic level at the moment, but it will be getting more involved, um, trust me. <laughs> okay, right. Um, so yes, proximity. Um, things being close together in time and space. Uh, sociability, people connecting and um, and spending time together and communicating in a human way. Those are the general outlines of the theory. And what I'm going to do is go through a whole bunch of examples uh, over the next two talks. And we will be going on to discuss how all these fit together to create a dynamo, as I'm calling it, between action, mobilisation, fundraising. But in these, two, in these two podcasts, I'm going to focus just on the internal design of the various things you do in mobilisation. All right. I'm going to take them in broadly chronological order. If you are interested in actually getting texts which go into the micro detail with these designs, then you can go on the A22 website and email them or download the actual written designs. Alternatively, you can take notes or you can just listen to it. All right, so let's start off with leafleting and postering. So how do you design a leaflet with the proximity and sociability principles in mind? Well, obviously, there's various ways of, of doing this. Um, so I'm going to give you one design. First of all, on the leaflet, you're going to put these leaflets through doors. You put a picture of someone, a photo of someone on the front. Lots of people don't do this, by the way, including just a boil. But anyway, I'm just going to provoke you by saying, why don't you put a picture? Why would you put a picture? Because it creates sociability. It's human face, uh, gives you some emotional um, connection. And ideally, it's someone that looks like you or if there's lots of demographics, obviously, you're going to be putting, putting through the doors of many different people you might have three or four photos on the front. Then you have a quote. So notice this is the first transgression of the dogma of information. People don't want information as such. What they want is to know what other people think in the picture. 
So it's there's a picture of Joe, you know, his 40-year-old uh, administrator in the local area, goes to work every morning, straightforward sort of guy. Joe says, I don't want to admit it, but secretly I'm shitting myself about the climate. You know, something streetwise in the language of that person and and again that creates a sociability connection um, then you turn it over and you hear what other people are doing so thousands of people are going to meetings to find about what the future holds for them and their children notice then using the third person is good because it creates the sense of being some sort of community by the reader. It's not like, here's a group of people who want you to do something for them. This is what people like you are doing in the third person. So again, it creates the notion of some social community. Um, and then there's pathways to action. So at the bottom of the leaflet, it tells you clearly um, what to do. There's going to be a public meeting at the community centre for seven o'clock on Thursday. Okay, and it's Tuesday. You get the leaflet on Tuesday. So there's a proximity element here, which is clarity of when the next step is, and it's not too far ahead in time. It's not like next month or something like that. So you might have an idea that you're doing all this sort of thing already, but if you look at the average leaflet, a lot of it will tend to give information. You know, there's this fact, there's this fact. I'm not saying don't put a fact on, on the leaflet, but it's mainly um, got to be based upon these two principles. Um, Posters are quite interesting. So posters, people are going to look at a post a bit like a leaflet for half a second, right? So what's going to maintain their attention? So remember, attention is one of the main elements here, um, particularly when you're walking along the street. So the traditional information-based scenario is you give information or you make a statement. So I remember like, there was Extinction Rebellion posters on the bus stops, and I think it said, the earth is dying. That's not that smart, according to these two principles. Like people, people are going to look at a poster if it doesn't tell them what's going on. In other words, what a poster needs to do is raise curiosity. And you raise curiosity by making, not making clear what the connections are. So the brain of the person looking at it has to work this out. Now, all those nice capitalist people know this till the cows come home. And that's why most adverts focus on sociability. You know, you have a nice family having a dinner and they happen to be in some way connected with BP, British Petroleum. When the marketing company designs this, they're not 
pretending there's any big connection between a family having their dinner and British Petroleum. What they're doing is they're saying, hey, you know, sociability is nice and therefore so is British Petroleum. So I'm not going to give any specific examples as such, but it's a principle. Um, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example. So I'm not, this may be a bit naff, but it gives you an, an idea. So you could have um, John is leaving home at the top of the poster and you have a housing estate, semi-detached, small garden, um, John is 18-year-old guy, he's opening the garden gate and he's about to leave home. And, and then at the bottom of the poster it says, National Demonstration, Parliament Square, 2nd, 2nd of April. So you've got a clear pathway to action. So people are going to look at it and go, what's Johnny leaving home got to do with going on a demonstration? Well, the subliminal messaging is, is you're doing something courageous. You're doing something that people want to do. You're escaping from the mundanity of life um, and all the rest of it. And you're associating that idea of liberation without actually saying it. And you're connecting that with this demonstration. Yeah, I'm going to go out. I've got the courage to go on the demonstration. I'm, you know, this is what I need to do with my life and such like. Maybe that's a good design. Maybe it's not. But hopefully you can see the direction of travel. So just to tell you a little bit of a funny story. <laughs> so... With Insulate Britain, there was a ceremony at the end of it and everyone got prizes. And I got the prize for the most rubbish leaflet of the campaign, which I think they were just putting me in my place. But what that leaflet was, was it had a statement on the front, which is, uh, are you shitting yourself over what will happen when those what will happen to those you love when the climate crisis hits. And then you turned it over and there was a quote and, you know, direct information, information on pathway to action. And the reason why it, why it was arguably the most rubbish leaflet ever is because there was no branding on it. So it was a bit of an experiment. But this, this is quite interesting because... My hypothesis, which was substantiated to a certain extent, was that when people pick up a leaflet, uh, you know, you've got about a second for them to decide where they're going to look at it. Most activist leaflets look like they're activist leaflets, which means 99% of people who aren't activists are going to go, oh, that's an activist leaflet. It's from an NGO. It's from a good cause. That's not for me because activists aren't me. And, and therefore I don't need to read the leaflet. In other words, there's no curiosity because all the prompts are already there to slot it into a mental category that doesn't require any cognitive energy because it's that you immediately know what it is. There's, well, if you have a leaflet which is, has no branding on it, it's just got a statement and it says turnover, 
then you're more likely to turn over because you haven't got it into a category yet and therefore you're more likely to read it and therefore though it's the most rubbish leaflet ever as far as an activist is concerned i.e someone who is making the mistake of thinking they want a leaflet that they like that reinforces their political identity and their aesthetics you know the way the writing's written the pictures the red and black and all this sort of stuff they think it's good leaflet because they think it's a good leaflet for them but just because it's a good leaflet for them most probably mean it's not a good leaflet for Mrs Jones who's never been to a political meeting in her life. So you can see how other things being equal that leaflet was arguably very good and as it happened I think we did five or six leaflets of leafletings of 5,000 leaflets in London and around 20 people came to each meeting even though it was rubbish leaflet in inverted commas which was definitely the industry average as you might say and arguably better than that so that's a paradox of political identity problem is people produce leaflets and posters that they think is cool but isn't cool for the average person that's going to look at them all right so we're going to be repeating some of the same design elements here but i think it's useful to go through go through the list and then it'll get reinforced as you might say so let's look at let's look at stalls so again there's variations on the theme I'm not saying these particular elements are the be or end all but it gives you a flavor of proximity and sociability in action so you set your stall up and you put a poster 10 posters on every lamp post uh, approaching the stall and in each direction so this is called persuasion, I think, in the trade. So it's basically the proximity principle, which is people are being exposed to your message 10 times subliminally or consciously before they reach the stall. And when they reach the stall, the same poster is on the stall, and maybe it's got the same graphic and it's got the same phrase, and maybe the phrase should be something slightly uh, cryptic, so it raises curiosity, you know, what, what will you be doing in five years' time? I don't know. Why would you be asking that? Why is there a, why is there a poster on the lamppost saying that, oh, there's another one? Oh, there's another one. Well, let me think. What shall I be doing in five years' time? Well, there's going to be the climate crisis. Um, I'm not really sure what, what I'll be doing because it's all a little bit scary. And then you get to the store and it's like, oh, this is about the climate crisis. Okay, I'm going to stop. Okay, so in the scientific studies that have been done on this, if you have these posters up, there's a significant greater likelihood you're going to slow down, stop, and or be more likely to talk to someone. So if you've done stalls, you'll know that the main problem with stalls is people pass all the time. It's actually quite difficult to get people to stop. So anything that gets people to slow down is obviously good because they're more likely to uh, stop. Then, of course, you need the people in front of the stall basic physical proximity if someone's behind the stall someone's going to just walk by um, if you're in front of the stall you've got the eye contact you say excuse me could I ask you a few questions about your experience with the climate crisis or your experience with uh, you know what's going to be happening for, to our children in the future something more generic 
Then you uh, have a questionnaire or you have a list of open questions. I just want to ask you a few questions. When did you find out about the crisis? Uh, how concerned are you? Uh, blah, blah, blah. And the main purpose of the questions is not the questions. The main purpose of the questions is sociability, i.e. you're getting into a conversation with someone who lives down the road, you know, over in your neighbourhood, and you might say, oh, where do you live? Oh, yeah, I'm over in Harry Street. Oh, right, I'm, I'm just on, you know, um, Exeter Street, two, 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 two streets away. Oh, yeah, are you? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people in this area who are concerned about what's going on with this climate chaos. Really? Oh, yes. And then there's a pathways to action. So you have a nice table with a tablecloth and there's leaflets and books and all this sort of thing and people can pick them up and you have your clipboard or you have your laptop or whatever. And once you've got into a conversation, 90% of people are going to give you their details and uh, and then they can come to the local meeting, which is going to be within five days, let's say. Okay. So obviously you've got the leaflet design in there. Um, you want to be in a busy place. Um, and you've got the posters. So with the store, you're starting to combine all these things together. And one of the interesting things, things that Extinction Rebellion people are doing in the UK is you have a board and you have... How concerned are you about, you know, how scared of you are you of the climate? You know, terrified, concerned, not really bothered, you know, don't give a damn. And people have their stickers and they can stick those uh, on, on the section which applies to them. And because they've stopped, obviously, they're going to be more likely to be concerned about what's going on. And so you've got all these stickers and there's a sociability to it because lots of people are doing it together and there's about 100 stickers on there and you've stuck the, the, the sticker on, you're involved in a conversation, you're obviously going to give your details then, and maybe there's another one, which is, you know, would you like to help, uh, you know, are you planning to come to the meeting on Thursday? Absolutely, definitely, I'm definitely going to come. They stick it on because they've used their bodies to stick the leaflet, stick the sticker on, they're more likely to come because they're more involved as a whole person, uh, you've got more of their attention, they're co-creating their own beliefs. It's all good stuff, right? And this is going to significantly um, improve the likelihood that they're going to go to the next position, uh, the next stage on the pathway. So juxtapose this with, you know, grumpy looking people behind a, behind a, a, behind a store, you know, with a leaflet that gives loads of information that doesn't involve any small talk, you know, there's a world of difference between those two approaches. All right, so let's say something about canvassing. So these are all very similar, right? Leaflet, store, canvassing. Basically, talking to people, connecting with people who several seconds beforehand have never had anything to do with you. So that's a really difficult situation but it's actually quite easy to overcome it using sociability principle and proximity principle ideas okay so here's a design again you know it's not the last word in the matter but on tuesday night you go along um, exeter street and you put your leaflets through the door 
we've talked about the leaflet design, that's all well and good. Two nights later, note the proximity, not, you know, not five nights later, not two weeks later, two, two nights later, you knock on the door and you say, Hi, my name's Roger Hallam. I um, I was coming, I came along your street on Tuesday. I put a leaflet for your door. I'm just checking you received that okay. And they're going to go, oh yes, I've got the leaflet, in which case, you know, they're going to want to talk to you about it, or they're going to go, oh, I'm not quite sure, and they're going to ruffle around in all their junk mail. Or they're going to say, no, no, I didn't. I didn't get anything, no. And, uh, and you say, oh, no problem, here's the leaflet. And you're probably thinking, Oh, well, that's helpful, you know, helpful to, to check with them. No, the whole purpose of, of entering into that initial 15-second conversation is to break the ice. Breaking the ice is 80% of sociability. Remember about this idea of someone coming into the room at the party. Within 30 seconds, someone's talking to them. And they're talking about small talks. They're not talking about anything important. Talking about things that are not important are probably the single biggest determinant of whether that person is going to then engage with you on talking about the climate crisis. So it's not about which questions you're going to ask them or what the, what the details of the, of the, of the um, script is going to be. It's about making that sociability connection. Once that's been done, then you say, look, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm from two streets down, proximity principle just want to ask you a few questions about this climate situation did did when when did you hear about it how concerned are you about it uh here i have got my questionnaire um thank you so much we've got this meeting coming up lots of people are coming to it saying what other people do and it's at the community center around the corner don't know if you know where that is Oh yes, I do actually. You know, I've been there for meetings before. Thursday, yeah, I'll I'll try and make that. No problem. Uh, if I can just take your details, then we can give you further information and what have you. So you go from zero willingness to give you give you their data. You know, if you knock on the door and say, "I'm Roger Hallam from, you know, just up oil. I'd like to take your data <laughs> to tell you about the climate crisis." You know, most people are going to go. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, well, one and a half minutes later, they're going to go, yeah, I know who you are. So as we've identified with the literature on sociability, people make connections extremely rapidly. 80% of connection is made within 15 seconds, maybe even two seconds. And then the rest of it is consolidating. So you've got these leafleting, you've got these stalls, you've got the canvassing, um, all these funnels, as they say, which are obviously going to lead into your recruitment meeting. Now, we've already talked about recruitment meetings or meetings in general with this research I did at King's College. So you, when, I'm going to do two designs for you. And again, you can sort of remember, hopefully, some of these elements that I'm going to go through again in the context of um, building civil resistance. All right. So the background to this is before Extinction Rebellion came along, there was this fashion, as you might say, that this was the brave new world and people look at things on social media and, you know, good old fashioned leafleting stalls, you know, canvassing doesn't really work. So what I 
said was, no, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to 19th century mobilising because this is what actually gets people to do something in their local area. Um, and we had, you know, hundreds, maybe a thousand meetings around the UK. And it worked because lots of people came through the door. So let's look at this design. Uh, people come through the door. We know what happens when people come through the door. We've already dealt with that. Someone's there, someone who's extrovert, friendly, um, you know, approachable, says, hi, my name's Joe. Thanks for coming to the meeting. Um, where did you hear about it? Oh, I got a leaflet. Oh, right, yeah. You're, you're, were you on, we lifted to the Exeter Street. Yeah, you live there. Oh, great, you're really close. Thank, thanks for coming anyway. If I can just, you know, talk to them about Exeter Street, the local area, then you say, oh, we're all, we haven't started yet. If you'd just like to take a seat, some biscuits on the table, help yourself. Uh, yeah, this is Jennifer from, I think she's from Exeter Street any, uh, as well. So maybe you just want to have a little chat. Thanks so much. We'll be starting in five minutes. So then Jennifer and, and Joe start having a chat about Exeter Street, sociability, uh, all good. Um, then there's introduction to the, um, to the recruitment meeting. Thank you very much for coming. It's all very scary, you know, connect with people's emotions. Then there's a talk. In the talk, people talk about the climate crisis, to talk about why civil resistance works, and they give these concrete pathways to action, which I'll talk about more. Okay, so there's quite a lot of information in this model because arguably there's a lot of information to be, give, be given, but it's embedded in a participatory design, as we'll see. So after the talk, then there's testimonies. So there's three people. Now, one of the interesting things about testimonies is, is people think, oh, I've got to sound impressive and I've got, to, I've got to get this right and put in the right information. And consequently, the more testimonies they do, the worse they get <laughs> from a sociability point of view. So from a sociability point of view, what you want is someone to stand up with no notes and give a sort of rambling two-minute communication, which sounds massively authentic because it is rambling and they don't really know what they're saying, but they're really passionate about doing civil disobedience. And people go, oh, you know, that wasn't an impressive person, which is good because they're a person like me. And you think, oh, you know, they, they've done civil disobedience. Maybe I can. So that's another paradox is, is what the activists want is not what Mrs. Jones wants when she comes through the door. What Mrs. Jones wants when she comes through the door is to hear someone else like Mrs. Jones say, I was, I'd never have dreamt of sitting in the road, but I did. And, you know, I can't really explain it very well, but this is really what was going on for me. And it's all a bit halting and unimpressive. And Mrs. Jones goes, oh, my goodness, you know, that's someone like me. And, and then they get more embedded because of this sociability dynamic. So just to note, these aren't great rambling talks, right? You don't want someone talking for 10 minutes. You just want someone talking for, you know, two, three, four minutes, let's say. And there's three of them. So again, you don't want one person because one person isn't going to connect with everyone in the audience. You don't want like 10 of them. It's all going to get a bit full on. Uh, 
and people want to go home, they've got to put their kids to bed and all that sort of thing. So free is about right and hopefully those free people need to be different demographics, you know, ages, backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds and all the rest of it. Okay, and then after that, everyone splits them into breakout groups. No Q&As, we covered this in the last talk. Q&As, you know, that's rubbish. You're just going to get blokes of a certain age like me asking questions which no one's particularly interested in. At worst, it's going to get overtaken by political people who just want to disrupt the meeting and what have you. So the beauty of the go-round, as we know, is, is in small groups, the breakout group in small groups is it's the holy grail sociability design. It's six to eight people. It's not free because it's a bit intense. It's not 15 because you can't hear people and they're in too big a circle. Seven or eight people is, is the optimum number. And then you have a go-round, so everyone participates. Everyone engages in the act of speech. We did this last time. And this sociability connection builds up. And then there's pathways to action, four of them. Why four of them? Because you need to maintain attention. You don't want like 10 people who have forgotten about it. Four is fine. It's not like there's one. It gives people a sense of choice, a sense of co-creation because they're choosing which ones they want to do. Okay, so again, one's rubbish, ten's rubbish, four's about right. And then you're saying, look, we're going canvassing on Thursday night, bring someone with, with you. We've got a social next week, bring someone with you, bring a friend. In other words, you're embedding this idea of you're doing something together with other people and you're going to bring someone who you have a, a lot of emotional connection with along with you, which is massively significant, as I've said in previous podcasts, in terms of making people feel at home. Who wants to go to a meeting by themselves, for God's sake? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so there's a second design. So some people tried this, and I don't actually have the data on it, but again, you can see the more, this is a more purist sociability design, cutting down on the information. So arguably they're going to less, know less about the science and what have you, so they're going to be less upset. But arguably they're going to be more empowered because they're going to be more dealing, you know, uh, engaging in the act of speech with other people in small groups. So here's an off-the-cuff design. There's a, you know, people come in, they're having their food, they're welcomed at the door. But this time there's only a five-minute introduction. You know, thank you so much for coming. The whole climate situation is really upsetting. Um, it's getting worse and worse. So it's just a general overview of the, of, the, of the situation, straight into breakout groups. So this is similar to the model of the, of the uh, rent strike, straight into breakout groups. Why have you come here tonight and what's your journey been on the climate crisis? Oh, you know, I heard about it 10 years ago. I didn't really bother about it. Then my son spoke to me and I got really worried. I watched David Attenborough and I've been in an XR demonstration and well, a leaflet came through my door and this nice little lady knocked on the door and said, you know, come along. So I thought I would, you know, all that sort of thing. So what this does is create this intense sociability experience because everyone's got a journey. Everyone started off being a bit rubbish about it all. And then here they are, you know, worried and uh, expressing their worry to each other. So you get this interpersonal solidarity, empathy connection. Okay. And then there's 10 minutes on the science, okay? So we're not doing 20 minutes, we just do 10 minutes on the science. This is the way it is. This is 
the latest situation. So that's the little bit of enlightenment logic, you know, information logic. So as I said in previous podcasts, we're not throwing that paradigm out of the window. All we're saying is, is it's not the main show. It's just a 10 minute part of the meeting. Then back into breakout groups. How do you respond to this, uh, this information you've been, you've been um, given? Uh, oh my goodness, I didn't realise it was so bad. No, I didn't either. So everyone's, everyone's again engaging in the act of speech. They're co-creating their emotional connection because they're all realising how bad the situation is. So they're becoming a bit of a gang at this time, a bit like the the uh, the rent strike meeting in the in the previous podcast. Then you have the testimonies. Three people get up. I've spoken about the testimonies. You know, ordinary people giving a bit of a incoherent <laughs> description of why they've taken action, taken civil disobedience. Back into breakout groups. So here's here's your choices. So similar to the the initial design. These are the choices. These are the things people do. Use the third person. Um, we're going to have a social. We're going out leafleting, give a donation. Um, yeah, and then there's leaflets to take at the end and, you know, people go to the pub and all the rest of it. So the idea is, of course, is by that time, you've got the fundamental determinant of going along this journey in place, which is sociability human connection, empathy, community building. Um, um, so the reason why people are going to come back, like with the rent strike, you know, if you remember with the rent strike, 30 people came to the first meeting, 28 people came to the second meeting. People came because they were already in a communal-esque orientation uh, by the end of the meeting. Oh, I'm going because, yeah, I met Joe and Jack and they live a few streets away from me. And I like them and they like me, so I'm going to go. That's the main reason people are going to come again, not primarily because of some fact on the climate. Not that the facts aren't important, as I said. All right, so let's just look at another one here. I'm sort of jumping around a little bit in terms of the timeline. But let's say people have already been to a meeting, uh, been on the road, you know, done a slow march or they've done some civil disobedience. And we're going to use the context of university here. I haven't actually seen this design work. So, uh, you know, there might be changes that you might like to make to it. But hopefully you can see the same dynamics working. So my orientation on university mobilisation is you go and hand out 5,000 leaflets, 10 to 15 students come to the meeting. You've talked to people as well while you're handing out the leaflets. Five of those people decide they're going to go down to London and they're going to go on a slow march or, or sit in the road. And they have this amazing time because they're moving their bodies and they're in some community and they're meeting new people. Then they come back. They come back to uh, the university. And because they're all excited, they're going to use their social media networks to publicise uh, a big meeting. You know, five... Manchester students have been arrested, come and hear their stories. So again, it's not information about the climate crisis, it's about hearing stories of people you know. Proximity, because it's people you know, they're people in your university. Sociability, because you're concerned about what other people have done, the danger they're in. You know, you want to hear the gossip, you want to hear the story, you want to hear about the excitement, 
this is as old as the hills, as a, as a, as a something that happens in, in, in human situations. Okay, so with this design, people turn up and there's gonna be 50 people now because there's a story. And those 50 people, uh, they come in, people ask them questions, you know, they're in little breakouts, and then they all get together and there's five testimonies. So there's five, five minute testimonies, 25 minutes each. So each person gets up and they say their story. I was scared, I didn't want to go. You know, I know about the climate, but you know, my mate Jack got me to go. And guess what? It was amazing. And we've all got to go down again. Then there's breakout groups, options for action, people sign up. The big ask is go and promote another meeting on the on the on the campus. And of course, go down to London in two weeks' time when your area of the country is going down to do civil disobedience because there's a big, you know, 10-week campaign going on. So variations on the on, on the theme. Um, so the testimony model has been used in what's called people's assemblies. So people's assemblies are where in a local community, everyone gets together or everyone's invited to get together to talk about a major topic like, you know, council tax or, or more generally why everything's shit. <laughs> and, and the name of the game there is you have 12 people get up and do two minute testimonies. So they use this in brain, brain uh, what's it called, barn, barnstorming in the Bernie Sanders campaign, I think in 2016. So you'd be in Virginia and you'd this big barnstorming meeting, 200 people would turn up and people would have the mic for two minutes each. It happened in the central square in, in the austerity protests in, uh, in, in Athens and no doubt it's been used in other places. So notice, no Q&A, uh, limited amount of time people can speak, ordinary people speaking, emotional communication. You know, I'm a single mother, I'm voting for Bernie Sanders. This is why, because I'm just basically fucked off. So it's the tone, it's the language, it's not shiny, it's people like you. You can see how that works. And then people are going through the crowd of, of you know, going through the meeting with their clipboards, with their laptops, signing people up. Can you, you know, go and help us go leafleting for Bernie Sanders? So with the People's Assembly, maybe this is in an area, it's been done in Devon in the UK, and maybe 50 people turn up. And then what people can do is, okay, so pathways to action, what do people want to do about why the local council is so crap? People brainstorm ideas, you know, they're in the group. These are the three things that our group, in our breakout group needs to happen in North Devon. We want you know, the roads to be looked after, we need better social care, and we need the council to be more transparent. Maybe there's some specific ideas around that. So they put, they put those ideas up on a sheet of paper, and then the next breakout group is going, well, we need better, um, you know, better jobs, and we need um, more lighting on the streets, whatever it is. So they put their ideas up and then someone else, the next group does it. And then at the end, and this is the critical design, is at the end, everyone goes and ticks free of the demands, free of the concerns that they like, not free of the, 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 the three that they like the best, because then they get too 
sort of hesitant about it. Just say, look, tick three of those, three of those options that appeal to you. So people get up with their pen and they tick the three of them. And what you invariably find, because I've done this quite a lot, is there'll be three or four issues which 50% of people have ticked. And then there's going to be maybe, you know, another 15, 15 issues where there's only three or four ticks, let's say. So what's happening there? What's happening there, of course, is you've got an elegant way of aggregating a campaign. Okay, this is what the community wants. They want these free demands. And it's democratic and it seems to be democratic. But also, from a proximity and sociability point of view, people are moving their bodies because they've got to go up to the board and actually tick stuff. And they're ticking stuff with everyone else. So it's the community, it's the group in a sociable way, moving their bodies and engaging in a joint activity. So the joint activity builds the commitment to the activity. People are not going to do the activity because they've made a cognitive, calculative decision to do the activity. They're going to do the activity because everyone else is and those everyone else are people they like because they've been talking with them for half an hour. So they get back into breakout groups and they say, right, you know, the lighting along this street is crap. We're going to go and lobby the council. Uh, who's going to do that? Yes, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'll do it as well. So you're in your group of six. Everyone says they're going to turn up. Everyone's looked into each other's eyes, as you might say. And they're all going to turn up because they're accountable to a small group. They're not accountable to some ideology. They're not accountable to some big movement. They're accountable to the third person who's 50 centimetres away, sitting in a room, who's just said they're going, basically because you're going, and that's the subliminal message. All right. So hopefully you can see here, this is, these, these designs are not, they're not just little add-ons. They're absolutely fundamental to getting these different elements to be optimised in terms of getting people to, to engage, commit to stuff, and join this community of resistance. So I'm going to go through a bunch of more of them in, in part two, but I'm just going to finish with donations. So we're going to be talking about donations in terms of the whole dynamo in a future podcast. But needless to say, uh, if you're going to build your community of resistance and build a civil resistance uh, non-linear event, then you need to have um, you need to have money. And we're going to talk about the politics of this and what have you, in, in, as I said, in later podcasts. But people giving money is, um, is quite an interesting one. <laughs> Because a lot of activists like regurgitate uh, what I would call a, a neoliberal, calculative, self-interested paradigm, which we're trying to move out of. So they'll say something to me like, oh, Roger, it's really difficult to get people to give donations because, you know, they haven't got much money and they don't really like giving money because, you know, worse the effect is it's going to cost them. You know, you're giving another 20 quid a month. This is... This is, um, it's a cost for them by definition, or at least by a materialist capitalist definition. 
And I'm not saying that that orientation isn't empirically correct. Obviously, people, a lot of people don't have much money and obviously to a certain extent people are going to lose, as it were, by giving that money. But the sociability paradigm is saying something quite different. So what the sociability paradigm is saying is, look, yeah, you know, people are concerned about their money, but what they're more concerned about is recognition from their peers, participation in joint activities, empathetic connection, um, and doing stuff with, with, with people that they like. Now, if you look at the micro design of a recruitment meeting, these people, number one, they've decided to come through the door. So they're fairly committed already. Number two, they're listening to the most horrendous information they're ever going to hear in their life. It's enormously emotional. When people get emotional, the subliminal or not so subliminal desire is to connect. You know, you're upset, you're going to talk to your partner. Um, you know, the community gets together when there's an external threat to the community. People don't stay in the houses. They have a community meeting. People want to connect in some sort of community-esque orientation because of the fundamentals of human nature. So by the time that they've got to the breakout group, they're not some economic student going, should I give £20 to this cause or should I keep it to buy a beer on Friday night? What they're primarily thinking is, I want to do something here. So when you're facilitating the breakout group, you're not, you're not um, trying to get money off them. What you're doing is, is, pro is providing an opportunity to enact their desire to be part of a community through the giving of money. The giving of money is, is a signifier of their desire and their actuality of joining in what they want to join in anyway. Now, not everyone, all of the time, okay? But it's essential that you reinforce that orientation by the tone, pace and content of what you say. So if you say something like, okay, so we sort of want to give donations. I know, you know, people haven't got much money and, you know, you don't need to do it if you don't want to. And I know it's a bit of a pain. I'm really sorry to ask. It's like, what you're doing is you're reinforcing the defeatist paradigm of the neoliberal left, right? which is it's really difficult and, and everyone's a materialist and it's just going to cost you loads and I'm really sorry about that. What you want to say instead is something along the lines of, OK, thanks so much for coming into this breakout group. It's so brave of you all to come here, but it's so good to talk about it, isn't it? And we've just had a go round on how people feel about what's been heard. And it's enormously upsetting. And what we what we need to do is come together and support each other. And what happens in Just Up Oil or whatever uh, is people give a small amount of money each month so that we can afford to pay young people to come and do these meetings to educate the millions of people that need to hear about this. So everyone gives a small amount of money. It's like what you afford, what you can earn once a, uh, what you earn in an hour, you give that once a month. And, um, and then also, you, 
what people do is go canvassing on Thursday night and they're going to go on a slow march on, on Friday. Okay, so there's variations on the theme. If you want the full text, you can contact just a POIL or some, some other uh, A22 network. But the point I'm making there is you're using the third person. You're, making, you're saying this is what people do. Okay, now obviously if someone says, well, that's all very well, but I have no money or that's all very well, but you know, I'm, I've not been that impressed with the talk. That's fine, there's no problem. But my prediction, and I've done this a few times, is 70 to 100% of the people in the meeting will go, oh yeah, I'll give a donation. Well, if you say, well, it costs lots of money and uh, you know, if you want to give a donation, that's fine. If you don't, it's fine. And I'm sorry to ask you and you know, it's a bit embarrassing. Maybe 20% of people are going to give the donation. Now, in the wider scheme of things, this is whether you have a movement or you don't have a movement. In other words, this is a quinten... What's the word? This is an essential, an essential primary example of how micro-design has massive macro effects. Let's say, for instance, you do 20 meetings a week in your, uh, in your civil resistance project and 10% of people give a donation. Um, so let's say they give 20... 20 pounds so that's I've forgotten the maths now but let's say there's 100 people go to the meetings that's 10% of people get 10 pounds you're getting 100 pounds a week but if 50 of them give 20 pounds you've got a thousand pounds a week it's enormous different and then that money gets reinvested in providing payments for young people who need to have their rent paid for them to go and do more meetings and you can put it through a spreadsheet and the difference is astronomical once you've got this feedback mechanism going on. Okay, so um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there because that's quite a lot, isn't it? And um, what I'll do in the next part is I'll trundle through a bunch of other examples and then look at a bit more at the wider context and then we'll be on to action, the action system. Thanks very much.